This episode of Run It Back is brought to you by absolutely nobody because we have no sponsors and we're not known by a lot of people. So, without further ado, this is the new rebranded Run It Back. That Sport John is dead. Run It Back is alive. It is new. It's a little bit more of an expanded brand. We're not just going to be talking about sports a lot of times. I get it. A lot of it will be sports. That's our main topic, but we will be bringing in new topics and new different things that we're going to bring to the table for this podcast. EDF, Every Dude's Fantasy, is now a part of Run It Back uh, as its own extended, like a branch of it. And in this podcast, we will explain some things. This was supposed to be a video podcast. We screwed up, made a little made a little mishap, had some technical difficulties with the camera. Next time, we will know for sure about how to turn off the sleep mode and this and that. Uh, but so anything about the camera and this being a video podcast did not happen and will not happen. Uh, but... Without further ado, here's the first and debut episode of Run It Back, and I hope you guys all enjoy. Here we are in my basement. The date is September 4th. Notice we are not at school. No. We're home. Why? COVID-19. There's a pandemic in the world. Not ideal, but we make do. He's Clay. I'm Mike. Let's go. How do we... Uh, here, here's Run the, it back. Here's the thing. We're, we're running it... We're calling it Run It Back. Why? Why? Because... Sounds cool. And this is sort of part two of a podcast series that we started at school called That Sport John. The real ones know that Sport John was the OG podcast. OG. And why did we call it that? Because we're both from Philly. If you're from Philly, you understand the word John. Yeah. Um, it's all explained over there. You can go find it. It's on Spotify. But this is where we're rebranding. And as any good, dare I call ourselves a company? No. Brand. <laughs> we're a brand. That's what we are. We're rebranding a brand. We're rebranding us. Yes. And we're adding multiple features of us we have more content more podcasts we're a network network that's what we're gonna say we're gonna say good job right there we're a network because we're gonna have multiple podcasts multiple platforms video graphics very tweets we're gonna have a variety of content for you and we're we have many things in the works a lot a lot of stuff is still in the early stage of the works, but this is your basic sort of podcast. I'm not going to define this podcast as a sports podcast. No, it's it's a podcast. I mean, I mean look look at us. I, obviously, <laughs> we are two sports guys. Of I mean, we're going to talk about sports the majority of the time. Um, another podcast that's going to be run on this network um, is strictly fantasy. Is strictly fantasy sports. New logo, new rebrand of its own. It's been in the works for a while now. I tell you, the podcast is actually nearing its one-year-old birthday. We started it fall semester last year as a radio show. It was cool when it was a radio show because we were able to um, do it in a radio studio. And it was actually broadcasting at 9 a.m. Saturday morning on the VIC radio network. Obviously, we can't be there because we're here. We're stuck. We're not going back to school because of COVID. I'm going to try to limit the amount of times I say COVID in this podcast because it's just going to make me sad. 
but well, nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to hear it's about a dead it. topic. It's been beaten like a dead horse. We're not going to talk about that. We moved on. It is what it is. Hopefully, we're back in that studio come springtime. Knock on wood. But um, yeah, that's another fun thing we're doing. We got uh for those of, who isn't a fantasy fanatic at this point, uh, I think it's one of the best ways for a fan to interact with leagues and sports. Um. I'm a fantasy aficionado, as you say. Oh, man. You do a mock draft like every other day. I, I must be nearing 100 mock drafts. We actually just, um, our league, Tuesday night, had a bit of a dra- draft lottery. By the way, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I spend a lot of time on fantasy. And it pains me to say, and I'm not going to act like this didn't happen, but you're looking at <laughs> the bottom two finishers in a 12-man league last year you're looking at yeah, 11 baby. and 12 right here yeah you're baby. looking at you're looking at 11 and 12 we both missed out on the playoffs we a series of unfortunate events occurred and worst trade in fantasy football history committed by myself but you know what and that trade was with me i thought i was good <laughs> you got Kamara and saquon uh, it's just the whole situation if you know the situation you know how it ended and how poorly it was carried out by the both of us and this is why we're a network now because all of that has been already recorded that whole saga that whole drama is over on spotify on every dude's fantasy that's the name of the podcast every dude's Mm -hmm. fantasy um we had our first we've been the co-host of it for about a year now um we were joined alongside by our good friend steve durr now we're working it with um another good friend of ours caden carper and um obviously there are we don't we're not um with them right now but uh, we look to continue it with them, and we're just going to – because he's here for the weekend, so that's what's going on here. He, Visiting for the weekend, so he's staying over at my crib. And, the boy's here, the homie. Um, we have a lot of fun content planned for this weekend. This is basically just – I feel like I'm just treating this little intro as like just a housekeeping thing. Oh, yeah. Just, just yeah. to get, give you all the lay of the land about how things are going to be working with us. Lay down the foundation. In the near future. Um, he came for the weekend, so we're going to be just churning out content this weekend. We got a lot of fun things going on this weekend. We have our draft on Sunday night. This is being recorded on Friday night. Um, and that's going to be very fun on Every Dude's Fantasy. We're going to do a sort of – it's not going to be live streamed, but we're going to record the podcast during the draft. You're going to have up-to-the-minute draft picks, what's going on with the draft. And I think it's going to be a really cool insight into our league. We have, have had a very competitive league for the past two years with some college friends. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's really exciting. So Sunday's, gonna, Sunday's a big day. Um, why don't you tell them about what we're doing tomorrow? Oh, baby. This is fun. This is what we're, this is going to be on TikTok very soon. This so is listen my to this. baby. Cheese steak reviews. Two guys, is, you're looking at two my, guys from Philly. It is my all-time favorite sandwich, meal, whatever. None of them anywhere in the world are as good. As they are in Philly. I mean, when you talk about you doing can what you to, love... You can go to the shittiest, crappiest place you possibly can in Philly, and it's better than anywhere else in the country or the world. Even a bad one's still pretty good. Pats. But we won't get there yet. We have to taste it first. Yeah. I've had it before, but we have to give it an official rating. Yeah, but Cheesesteak Reviews, it's not going to be a podcast. It's going to be an actual video. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to get that on multiple platforms. Right now, we got Twitter and TikTok up and running. Um, that's very exciting, and plenty of other stuff, too. You can catch us on all platforms in the near future. Except Facebook. Because, you know, this isn't your grandmother's network. This isn't your grandma's uh, podcast. It's not your grandma's series, so to speak. <laughs> but um, when they talk about doing what you love, I mean, it doesn't get much better than reviewing cheesesteaks. 
and then talking fantasy and talking anything else. The next podcast, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a good friend, good pal, 315 boy. I guess it's now like 319 maybe or something. I don't know. Wherever their house is now. We're going to be talking country music. I know that. That's also another part of the non-sports side because he's been begging to start a country podcast. But not everybody was along with it because they wanted a couple people on it. So we're just going to morph that and put it onto this podcast. And we're just going to have fun with it and roll it there. Again, we're not doing just sports anymore. Um, I thought it kind of ran dry, especially now. Yes, sports are back now. We have a lot more we can talk about and more updates, up-to-date stuff and not just talking about when stuff comes back and this and that. But it gives a little more variety and a little more taste and, I don't know, culture to the podcast? Variety, just variety. Variety. That's the variety. And I want to. I can't stress this enough. The network runs deeper than the two of us. Yes, sir. We're media students at Ithaca College. For those of you who don't know, I guess we should treat this. I think I might take this little part, move it to the front of the podcast. But a formal introduction of ourselves. It's Mike Stites here. Clay Thomas. We're two media students at Ithaca College in the Park School of Communications. World renowned. No, I'm kidding. But you're pretty good. We 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 pride ourselves on the connections we have in the Park School. Um, I think. I think Park's pretty... No, we are well... No, 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 seriously. I I don't like to toot your own horn, so to speak, for a lack of a better... <laughs> Out, your own horn? We've only been there two years, and for lack we're not going to be on the actual, in the actual building this year. For lack of a better saying. But, um... No, yeah, so... We're, we're two guys who, you know, just like churning out content, just like making stuff and just, you know, having fun with it. The, the creativity is always a very fun aspect to it. Um, and we're just tr- looking for more ways to be creative. I myself, I'm a sports media student. He was a sports media student, uh, switched to television radio. Kyle Woody, I miss you. And yeah, that's all I'm going to get into that. If, if at any point you ever hear this, Kyle Woody, if we ever make it big and you hear this. Shout out to you, my man. You're an inspiration. You are the GOAT. You are the GOAT. We still miss you. We still miss you and we still love you. But um, we're just two guys, you know, looking for a way to stay engaged um, in media. Obviously, when you're at school, you have a lot of different, um, you know, platforms uh, such as, you know, our school's television network, our radio network, all that good stuff. But now we're kind of, you know, on our own and it kind of forces our hand, forces our creative hands sort of, you know, produce our own content and get creative on our own. And that's actually at the same time, very exciting for us because it gives us a little bit of a free reign to, you know, do whatever we want. And we're taking full advantage of that. We're expanding the network. We've got a bunch of other guys um, in our departments at school and on this entire thing. We can't wait to grow the network because we know we got a lot of people who are right there with us and going to be riding with us. Um, you're going to get to meet all of them at some point. <laughs> and uh, it's really exciting times here. You gotta take, you gotta look, and you gotta keep perspective, and you gotta take not so great times, and you gotta turn them into great opportunity, and that's what we're trying to do here, and uh, we hope to create content that you all, you know, can enjoy, and um, that's why tomorrow, very exciting day, the cheesesteak reviews are going down. Couldn't be more excited. Country music podcast in the work. Fantasy football draft on Sunday. We got a golf video coming up where we're going to be pros. We got a 3.30 tee time on Sunday. Oh, yes, sir. I haven't golfed in about three weeks. And I am hype. Each of us looking to break 100. Is it going to happen? Probably not. That's all right. Hey, I think I can do it. Come on. You'll catch that on Sunday. I mean, I'm using a new-to-me driver. My cousin's hand-me-down, I guess you could say. But 
you know, I'm pretty pumped about it. Y'all might see a round of golf. We see content opportunity. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Content, content, content. We're hitting the links. We're making content. We're churning it out. That's what we're doing. Big things. The worlds are in motion. We got a couple months to just, you know, work with what we got. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Very exciting. So why, why, why don't we get into this podcast? And I know there was a couple things that happened within this week. There's a lot going around, but this one little topic stuck with me through two different group chat conversations I had. I have not heard this. You have heard this. You are a part of this. I don't open the group chats. <laughs> just, no, okay, no, you, just, you opened this one group chat for once and got into the conversation. Who is better all time? Mike? Michael Jack Schmidt, I stuttered, or Derek Jeter. Now, let me mind you, Mike Schmidt has a war that is 30 point something higher, a 30 something higher war than Derek Jeter. Mind you, Derek Jeter has about a thousand more hits, but Derek Jeter also has a thousand more or 3,000 more at bats. Mike Schmidt has almost 300 more home runs. His average is less than Jeter's, but Mike Schmidt was more of a power hitter than just a hitter, but he wasn't your prototypical power hitter as he led the Phillies franchise in hits overall. So, it's Mike Schmidt. Like, come on. Let me add something first before we get into the discussion. Okay, what? Diehard Boston fan, diehard Philly fan. Okay, but I did just look at it by the numbers. I understand that. No, but I want to get something out there. And I want to make this very clear for podcasts to come. In a professional setting... You set your bias aside. Yes, I am this setting is my anything, biases aside. This is anything but a professional setting. Oh, okay. So, yeah. This is anything Jeter, but a professional setting. You're not as good setting. as Michael Schmidt. You're not as good as Michael Schmidt. I don't care. He also had a better defensive war, and he was a better defensive player overall. Yes, they played third and short. But mind you, it's the hot corner for a reason. That's why it's called that. And you got to have a, a quick glove, can't make errors, got to make a throw across the diamond. I mean, come on. Come on. Listen, in preparation for this and in preparation for the conversation in the group chats, as any responsible sports statistician or researcher would do, I pulled up both players' baseball reference statistics in side-by-side tabs. That's about all you can do. If I'm on my phone, you got to go like – you click the one guy's first on Google and you search the next guy and then you just kind of – That's about all you can do. I mean that's the only responsible way to take part in the discussion because you have to look – when I open baseball reference and you just see the giant charts of the taps and you just see the giants with all the numbers, it gets very confusing. But you scroll <laughs> all the way down and you look into the accolades, right? This is why I struggle with this debate. As a Red Sox fan, I've watched Derek Jeter growing up my entire life. I've never respected a Yankees player as much as I respected Derek Jeter. That being said, I do think Derek Jeter is moderately overrated i agree and let me explain what i mean by moderately overrated when you take a guy right Derek jeter spent how many seasons with the yankees 17 20 20 and schmidt was 18 with the Phillies. when you spend 20 years with an organization when you spend 20 years with a franchise and you're as likable as Derek jeter especially on a franchise like the yankees that has a fan base all over the world. And I'm talking about Europe, Asia, Africa. It's kind of like the whole like Dallas Cowboys, Manchester United effect, where it's just the team that's known around the world. The Yankees are that team equivalent of baseball. 
and they're beloved around the world. Maybe not so much in the United States, but they are kind of the world's baseball franchise. They are the franchise that's known around the world. They're the face of baseball around the world. And when you are the face of a team for 20 years, and that team is the face of baseball for 20 years, it's hard not to build up a reputation as especially when you're as good as Derek Jeter was, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you he wasn't good. Oh, of course he's a whole thing. But when you're in good. the when you're in that standing and you're in that role, I'm not gonna say what you do is blown out of proportion, but kind of you're just looked at as a, you're looked at in a different light, and everything you do and all of your numbers seem to get inflated. And here's here here's one thing that stuck out to me the most in that conversation is that Tyler Eusen, you guys will see him or hear him or both on this podcast. We'll get him in. Don't worry In the future. He's been dying to come back on only because I haven't, he hasn't been on in a few months. Should we call him? Nah, he's probably asleep. He's probably asleep. But the thing is, I was just trying not to produce more stuff because I knew I wanted to redo all this and start fresh. And, you know, the rebrand. We got that. Talked about that earlier. He said... The most New York self-proclaimed bullcrap I've ever heard in my life. He said being the captain of the New York Yankees is the mo- is the highest honor and most responsibility ta- – to, or has the most responsibilities in all of sports. Has he ever heard of a coach? Like, you got to manage a whole team, put the right players out there, call the right plays, right pitches, whatever. Like, come on, man. Like, like that was just some self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed bullshit. That's what that was. Like, I don't care if you're the Yankees. You can, I mean, he also claimed, oh, he, he without him, they wouldn't have won all those championships. I highly doubt that. They were a very talented team when they won all those four chips. And he wasn't even the captain for, for four of them. Before he won his fifth. He was the captain of World Series teams. No, he was the captain of one. One. Not five. One. And yes, Mike Schmidt only won one World Series compared to Jeter's five. But let's look at the facts. That whole Yankees team, every year of those championships, was the best team in baseball. Mike Schmidt was not always on the best team in baseball. He was on the best team in baseball for one season. And that was 1980. When you brought this topic to my attention... I thought comparing Mike Schmidt and comparing comparing Derek Jeter was like comparing apples and oranges. You, if you want to look at them from a strictly hitting standpoint, right? Let's put defense to the side. Let's look at strictly from an offensive standpoint. You have a player. Now, mind you, I relate more to Derek Jeter as a hitter than I do Mike Schmidt because I'm because Derek Jeter. Let's talk about contact guy. Now, of course, over 20 years, you're going to accumulate a lot of home runs, especially when you play in Yankee Stadium. I think he ended up with, what, 260 in his career, Derek Jeter? That's a respectable 260, number. 260. 260. It's a respectable number. but And then you're looking at a guy like Mike Schmidt, who's a member of the 500 Club. Whew. You look at Derek Jeter, who's a member of the 3000 Club. So you're, you're looking at two guys with very different approaches at the plate. Mike Schmidt, I like to kind of say, was ahead of his time and... Derek Jeter was sort of past this time. Derek Jeter was kind of refreshing for fans to see in an era where baseball was slowly starting to turn into the home run era like we're witnessing now. Mike Schmidt was in the home run era 30 years ago. Imagine if Mike Schmidt was playing baseball today and the juice like was playing Ooh. today. 
the numbers he could put up. <laughs> Balls flying out of the park. Which is why these are two players who played in eras that I were interesting because I didn't think they fit their styles of hitting. For one, I, I, that's that would be the way I put that. True. Mike Schmidt, home run, power guy. Derek Jeter, small ball, contact guy. Now, obviously, I relate to Derek Jeter a little bit more, but again, it's comparing apples and oranges. So that's why I kind of like to go look at accolades. Now, you can make of that what you will. Do you do what? What do you think is more impressive? Five hundred club, three thousand club. That's very debatable. That's why I like to look at the accolades. Derek Jeter has never won an MVP in his career. Michael Jack Schmidt has three, three. Count them: one, two, three. Now, to Derek Jeter's point. credit, he's finished top ten in MVP MVP voting seven times. Very good. He's never eclipsed that. Now, of course, he won, a, he, he won the Rookie of the Year. He's been an All-Star his entire career. <coughs> Excuse me. He's won five gold gloves to Mike Schmidt's three. I mean, uh, a ten? Did he have ten? Yes. Okay, then, you know, of course, the defense is a whole other thing. I didn't want to talk about defense yet, but we could get to that. You um, brought it up. Yeah, of course. I did bring that up. I got to own that. <laughs> Derek, and then, and then, you know, of course, so you look at the accolades, advantage Schmidt. You look at the home runs, advantage Schmidt. Hits, Jeter. Average, Jeter. You know, there's, these are really categories that are hard to compare, and of course those are different debates. But then I sit here as a Boston sports fan, and I consciously every day argue that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time for one reason, and it is six Super Bowls. And then I have to sit here and look at success. Okay, and wait, the success wait, 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 with the, wait. This is, if you're going to look you at... You obviously understand where I'm going. Jeter's five World Series to Mike Schmidt's one. That's how I, that, that is because I cannot be a hypocrite. I cannot be hypocritical. Here's if I were to come out on the next podcast and say, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time because he won six Super Bowls. And then people can go back and look at this podcast and say, I chose Schmidt over Jeter. And not cite the fact that Jeter won five World Series and Mike Schmitz won, that would be unfair. Okay, well, but wait, of course wait, wait, we're wait. comparing football to baseball. You can't do that. Two that very sense. different team sports. So I Because the other thing which too is, is why with, this has been so difficult for me but, to pick either one of these players. But with Brady and Montana, yes, Brady has one more ring. But he also is higher in this in this key categorical stats. In yards and touchdowns and this and that. In baseball, Mike Schmidt cannot control how well the other team hits. Mike Schmidt can only control how many times what he does every single at bat and when the ball is hit to him, which he obviously has had a lot of success with when the ball Absolutely is correct. thrown to him. And I will say this, and I will say this to Mike Schmidt's credit. It is a lot more a quarterback has a lot more control over whether or not his team wins games than a third baseman does. As much as a pitch, if this now of pitchers, course it's great I that we have thought different. Now of course it's great that we have the WAR stat, wins above replacement. I love the stat. There's a bunch of different ways to calculate. A lot of people go diff- back and forth. I like um, baseball references WAR statistic and the way that they calculate it just by the things they take into account. Right. But again, I'm <laughs> juggling apples and oranges here. And it's very it's been very difficult for me to come to a, a decision. Now, when Clay pros, pro, posed this question in the group chat, I thought 
he's crazy. Of course, it's Derek Jeter. Then I got then I then I looked at everything. I took everything into account. And baseball is such a fascinating sport because, you know, you can fail so many times and be still be considered great. Which is why that I cannot hold Mike Schmidt's one ring against him. So if I had to come down to pick one player, whether you were giving me Derek Jeter or Mike Schmidt. Now I'm going to change the game Let me throw two more things out at you. Mike Schmidt has more RBIs with with less at-bats. Well, you get that when you're a home run hitter. Very true. And... He has one more Silver Slugger, six to five. Also, the average and hits part is not the average. The hits part is a little different. Mike Schmidt does have, I believe, about 34. He's got about 1,200 hits less than Jeter, but Jeter has 3,000 more at-bats, which also factors into it. You may continue. Are we asking me? Are are we asking ourselves to pick a player? Obviously, we know who your guy is, but if we're gonna put myself on the spot to pick a player, it's not really on the spot. We've kind of talked through it. I've given. I feel like I've made a case for both players. I feel like I've given a defense for each player, um, a reasonable defense, a reasonable case. There is a stat in baseball that I find. To be the most telling. And, you know, I do place an emphasis on this stat when I look at players and I look at their value. And it's the reason why I can't make a decision on either of these two players. I think on base percentage is the most telling stat in baseball. How do you win a baseball game? You score more runs than the other team. How do you score runs? You get players on base. If you were getting on base, you are giving your team the greatest chance to win. Plain and simple. That, that's my take on it. Which is why I think on-base percentage is the best stat. If you're drawing walks, it means you're having good at-bats. If you're getting hits, obviously it means you're having good at-bats. And you're doing what you need to do to help your team win. Derek Jeter's career on-base percentage is 377. Mike Schmidt's on-base percentage is 380. You cannot make a decision. I, you cannot make a decision based on uh, okay. Obviously, Mike Smith has the the edge on what what three one hundredths of a point. Th- those okay, two, those yeah. two numbers are too close to call. Um, which is why I can't make a decision on one of these two players. But the I can't, doesn't like. I can't. I mean, he's got thirty. What was it? Thirty six. 35. He's got like a 35.6 war. Two of the guys that Derek Jeter's played with, he's played with Alex Rodriguez and he's played with. If, Alex, if Derek Jeter missed the game, it wouldn't be the end of the world for the Yankees. If Mike Schmidt missed the game, it would be the end of the world for the Phillies. Very true. That's what that ultimately comes down to. Even though they did have the likes of Larry Boa and Luzinski back then and Pete Rose. What we did, was Pete Rose on that World Series team? I'm look that up. Let me look that up. I'm just curious. You can go on. I was. It just kind of popped into my mind. I don't have much more to say because I feel like I've covered every aspect of their game. It's hard because I grew up with Derek Jeter. I did not grow up with Mike Schmidt. I did not get to appreciate Mike Schmidt as a player. I got to appreciate Derek Jeter. I obviously watched a lot of Derek Jeter, watching the Red Sox growing up. And 
for me to sit here and say that I respect Derek Jeter as a player is, is very important because I don't respect a lot of Yankees players. None, to be fair. None, to be exact. DJ LeMahieu is the lone exception on this Yankees team currently. I love DJ LeMahieu. Jorge? Jorge Posada? Yeah. I go back and forth. Hmm. But Derek Jeter is just one of those guys that is respected all around. He's the captain. I mean, he's the captain. It's so hard to choose because – and it's why I'm not going to. Sorry if everyone's been watching this. And I respect the decision. <laughs> I really do. Respect the decision not to choose because if it's – the one stat that I like to use to compare players on base percentage, these two are nearly identical. And then every other aspect of their game is impossible to compare. And then I'd like to look at World Series rings and make a comparison based on that, but you, you, it's tough to do that with baseball. It's tough to do that in baseball. If you're, it's because you're only one through nine versus pitcher. It's a lot different. Yes, because you're only one through nine. Yeah, um, you're only one of nine hitters. You know, you're only one of nine fielders. It's why it's why it's tough to do that with baseball. It's easy to do that with football. It's easy to make that case for Tom Brady being a quarterback. It's tough to do that for baseball. Um. Obviously, you look at the accolades, and then you got to look at other players that are playing in, in that era of baseball. Mike Schmidt dominated his, dominated his era. Derek Jeter, you can argue he's never won an MVP, but he's finished top 10 in voting seven times. He's yeah. been an all-star his entire career, all the way up to his final year. You can argue whether that was, you know, earned or that was just, you know... Oh, all star. Granted to him, whether he's earned that over his entire career, but a lot of Pro Bowl and All Star stuff is a lot of popularity, anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not even always like numbers wise based. It's it's a fan vote. That's what it is. I feel like I've touched base on everything, and it's still very very difficult for me to make a decision. Um, to be completely honest, if you were asking me to build a franchise with one of the guys today. In today's climate, in today's game, I choose Mike Schmidt because his game um, is the way baseball is going right now. Power hitter, slugger, RBI guy, still having a great on-base percentage with you know the batting average a little bit down. But obviously, we don't look at batting average the same way we used to 10, 20 years ago. Um, it's a different game now. We look at home runs and power stats more now. So if I was building a franchise today, give me Mike Schmidt because of that st- statistic alone. But um, again, we're trying to decide who was the better baseball player. And um, it's still just too hard for me to do. But I would like to say one thing before we conclude this whole conversation, this whole debate. Um, I said this in the group chat. I don't think I was alone with this, but I made a statement earlier that I do think Derek Jeter was a little bit overrated. Yes. I, I when I say think that way, and then I see all these reactions of people – how he didn't get unanimously, unanimously voted in. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah, he was a little overrated, this and that. Like, there was a lot of mixed reactions, but I thought there was a lot of reaction of people coming back at it and saying, no, he was overrated. And it kind of it kind of changed my opinion on it. I must say, when you think of Derek Jeter, you think of two plays. You think of the play against the A's where he's running up the line, he cuts the ball off, he flips it to the catcher, tags him out, great play. What's he kind of, you know? What's he kind of doing there? That's Derek Jeter. He's making plays. He has a sense for the game. And then there's another play that I think is by far, and it's not even close, the most overrated catch in baseball. It's the one where he catches the ball and goes diving into the stands. You might be listening to this and think that's blasphemous, but like, let's really just dissect that play for a second. Derek Jeter, if you really strip that play down to its bare essence, of course Clay's going to look up the play right now. Oh, we gotta, you know, let's let's, let's look at. We'll it. We'll pull up the video evidence, yeah. but if you look at on, if you look at that play and strip it down in its 
bare essence of that play. In reality, Derek Jeter made a running over-the-shoulder catch from the shortstop position behind the third base bag. Not to say that's a routine play, but that's a play you practice over and over and over and over again in infield drills. We're watching it now. Pop up down the left field line. He's got a long way to go. It looks like they might have been in a shift. But there's a little jump in that step. I'm not going to say he could avoid the stands. Yeah. But he sort of definitely made a little theatrical diving into the stands like that. It's just the reason why that play, I think, is so hyped is because I think a lot of people think it epitomizes who he is as a player, putting his body on the line, risking it all for this catch. You know, that's who he is. He's that hardcore, nitty-gritty player. But, I mean, he made a running over-the-shoulder catch. We've seen better catches in the past month. That wasn't even the best catch. I've seen better catches out of Bryce Harper. That wasn't even the best catch of the game. Pokey Reese made a better catch in that game, grabbing a ball, diving and grabbing a ball out of the stands. I was already in the stands. That ball was, you can argue if it was going fair or foul, but it wasn't by any means in the seats. Oh, no. He was running hard. If he was in a full it sprint. Been fair. It would have been fair. And the stands are there, and he just so happens to go flying into the stands. Yeah. It's just, at the end of the day, it's a running catch. Yeah. It's a running catch, guys. Difficulty level? Can we say it's that hard? Obviously, you take a bit of a risk with the, with the with the wall coming up on you. Maybe a lot of people don't try to make that play. You could argue, maybe if he goes into a slide, he doesn't go flying into the stands. You, there's a lot of things you could argue about that play and its difficulty level. And it's just kind of, it's not like he laid out full extension, pulled a ball back from over a wall. He made a nice running catch. But at the end of the day, that's all that it was. A nice running catch. Um, but I digress. That's all I have to say on the matter. Um, the catch was against the Sox. We always buy us with whatever. But this is our podcast. I don't think I'm alone when I say that that was an overrated catch. I don't even hate Derek Jeter, and I think it's a little overrated. I like Derek Jeter. I hate the Yankees, but I like Derek Jeter. What? That is what it is. That's all I have to say on the subject. All right. All right. Let's Let take me- a deep breath. Deep breath. Style two, back. Two things, two things. One, very important. The battery life for that camera <laughs> when when it's shooting a video is 90 minutes. We're not going to go 90 minutes. We are not, but we have to make sure because we are, our last podcast that it was you and me, we wanted to go 45 minutes and we went an hour and a half. We're at 34. Okay. I'm just making sure. Just got to keep track of that. Once, once it's getting close, we got to stop it, kill it, save it. Wrap it up. Next okay. podcast, please. Next podcast. <laughs> um, but what else do we a, have on the docket for today? On another note, a little brief statement. This shirt is more than just a shirt for me and my family. We're going to get serious for a second. We're going to get real. Lebo Motorsport 101. Now, a lot of it was to just represent for my little cousin. He just turned 14. But he was 13, and he's been racing mini sprint cars on a dirt track. Fun fact, he's racing tomorrow, uh, and he put the wings on top of it now, so he's going to do some little wing wing uh, mini sprint racing. So that's pretty cool. Um, my uncle, his stepdad, dad, uh, passed away recently, uh, this past summer, a couple months ago. And, you know, that's part of what this rebrand... He's a part of this rebrand a little bit, in a sense... If you ever notice on the B, there's a little black print, and it says Lebo 101 because that was always his mantra. Not mantra. It's always, it was like a slogan for him. 
Uh, Lebo is his last name, Brent Lebo. Um, rest in peace. Uh, 101 is the number of his car, and my little cousin Easton has taken over that car and has been racing all summer and ever since, working on it, grinding all the time on that car. Easton, if you hear this, I know you will. You actually listen to these podcasts when they are uploaded and everything. Uh, thank you for it. Love you, buddy. Um, God bless you. We have a listener. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you're not the only one in due time. Yeah. Um, keep doing what you're doing, bud. Um, you're doing a lot. You're doing a hell of a job. I got to witness your first uh, ring of uh, finish ring. Finish? Finishing? on uh, What's it called? Finish line ring? I pro- I'm just probably messing it up right now, but you got third place. I witnessed you do that. You had a hell of a race that night, and you've had good races ever since. And you're doing Brent proud, bud. You really are. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt for the first uh, video version of this podcast. Um, we got this for his celebration of life ceremony. Uh, I won't be able to make it um, because of how everything worked out with buying tickets and not knowing if I was going to be at school or not. So I decided to wear it and dedicate the rebrand and the restart of this whole podcast to my uncle Brent Lebo. And I'll say it for you, Brent. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that was always that one joke. It would be like, I do something stupid like I normally do because I'm like hard headed sometimes. And you're just like, hey, good. I play football. <laughs> just, I, I miss you, Brent. Well, as any great podcaster, and we'll learn this as we age in the podcast game. You got to learn how to segue. Segway. We've had fantastic segues in the past, but you got to know how to go topic to topic and you got to learn how to transition from topic to topic. Yes, sir. Of course, we needed to take a serious moment there for a second because the network is more than just us. The brand's more than just us. You know, it runs deep. There are ties here. There are roots. Um, so we were going to take a second to do that, of course. Had to um, honor the people, you know, that are that are important in our lives. That's very important. Things are bigger than sports right now. A lot of things in the world are bigger than sports right now. Um, but that being said, and I think that this makes a great segue. Um, speaking of deaths of loved ones, Montrez Harrell just recently won the six man award after the recent passing of his grandmother. You can make the argument about Montrez Harrell all you want. Obviously he's been in the news lately for some controversial things. You might not like him as a basketball player off the court, but even the stuff he said on the court for that fact, but tonight he won the six man of the year and I think was very deserved. Now, that said, there was another candidate this year who I thought was also very deserving of the award. award. His name is Dennis Schroeder. Um, it's difficult for me because can we obviously Montrezl Harrell comes off the bench if a Zubac starts for the Clippers, but Montrezl Harrell usually plays starter minutes, mm-hmm. which is why recently you've seen Lou Williams win a six-man of the year. The Clippers like to breed six man of the year awards because they have good depth and talent. Well, they have but starters coming off the bench. They have starters coming off the bench who play starter minutes. And which is why I think the six man of the year award is one of those things that if you're a coach, you know, it, it's one of those things that can easily be controlled. I think the six man of the year award, there needs to be some sort of restriction on it because if you're, uh, I'm just going to use an example, right? Say you were, um, what's a good example here? Say you're Brad Stevens, right? And Toronto comes out with a lineup tomorrow night that doesn't exactly favor 
Jason Tatum starting the first couple of minutes of the game. Jason Tatum can come off the bench as a six man, play 36 minutes and still do Jason Tatum things. Does that make him a six man? Technically, yeah. Yes. Technically, yes. But I mean, I think come that's on. what this whole thing is probably about. But I, I feel like the six man award has kind of lost its integrity a little bit. When you hear six man, you think of the guy off the bench who is just as important as the starters. He's kind of that unsung hero of the team. Comes off the bench, does the dirty work, a little underappreciated. But when you take guys who could be very, very capable starters on that team, I mean, you could very much make an argument that Montrezl Harrell is leaps and bounds better than Ivica Zubak. Yeah. They just put Ivica Zubak in the starting lineup because he's taller and can win a jump ball. Mm-hmm. But Montrez Harrell really is the number one center, like five on that team. So, you know, in a way, the Clippers have kind of found a way in recent years to make their six man, you know, one of their starting guys who doesn't exactly fit in within like the first two, three minutes of the game, but they just bring him off the bench. He plays starter minutes. He's one of the guys that, you know, in essence, isn't truly a six man, but it's what the Clippers like to do. It's how they run their team. And through that, um, guys like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell have won six-man-of-the-year awards in the past. And I think it detracts from the integrity of that six-man award. That's just my two cents. We've seen Lou Williams take over late in games because he's a player that can do that. He's anything but a six-man. He's a starter for any other team in the league. So to say he was a six-man in the past, I mean, I yes, technically he came off the bench and wasn't one of the starting five. I get that. But, you know, it's still... You know, some it never really sits right with me when that kind of guy wins a six man of the year award. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's been a lot of different awards that have just kind of been not not handled. Excuse me, not handled properly in professional sports lately. One of them being Rookie of the Year, and how Zion was even in the conversation for it, considering this is was only based off of the regular season before the bubble and he played 20 games yeah or less than it, or it, 20 or less i think it was like 18 to 20 it might have been 20 and we're talking about a guy that was on minute restriction for that entire time yeah playing no more than 15 minutes a game now obviously his production during that 15 minutes a game in those 20 games is obviously very very good obviously he's a very very dominant player he's going to be a great player in this league mm-hmm. um but to say that he was even in contention for rookie of the year and to think that there was even a bit of doubt that John Morant was not going to win that award is crazy. And it says it says a lot about the awards and, you know, what do they really mean? I made a case. You can go back in the archives on that sport, John. And I have made this argument before that NBA awards have become incredibly meaningless. Now, I say that while citing an example of when the NBA named Carmelo Anthony a player of the week award. <laughs> back when he had a good week for Portland. What he averaged? Like he averaged points. maybe like 17 points and six rebounds. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic in that week averaged like 35, 10, and 10. <laughs> but we wanted to make it Carmelo Anthony to sort of push the narrative that Carmelo is back. I mean, these like, awards are... It was like his second week, and I was like, are you kidding? The NBA is really doing a lot to make these awards meaningless. If, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. They're kind of just trying to... Uh, obviously, Zion, they want to make Zion a face of the league. So, of course, it only makes sense that they want to 
sort of put Zion in the conversation for rookie of the year. Should he really have ever been in the conversation for rookie of the year? Hell no. That guy who gave him a vote, like why? Like, like sit down and tell me why you statistically think that he at all deserved it. And he played like he, he played twenty games. There are rookies on the other like, like come on, there are teams in the league that could have won that award. Zion, you can make an argument that if you really want to sit down and look at the award and dissect the award, you want to look at players who have had rookies who have had the greatest effects on their team over the past year. You can make a case that Zion shouldn't even have been top fifteen in rookie of the year voting. You can make that argument. Obviously, he's a very good player, but this is not the good player of the year award. This is the rookie who has had the greatest impact on his team during that rookie campaign. Obviously, Zion is probably better than a lot of other rookies in the league. We get that. But the impact that he had on his team in his rookie year is minuscule. Mm -hmm. That team didn't make the playoffs, even when he came back and joined them in the bubble. And we're talking about voting that had nothing to do with the bubble. You could find 10, 15 other rookies in the league who had much greater impacts on their team this year than Zion Williamson. Obviously, Zion's better than those guys. But we're talking about impact in your rookie year and how well they contributed to their team. Zion probably should not even have been in top 15 voting for rookie of the year. It's he just again considered. It's again just the NBA trying to sort of mold the awards to fit a narrative of a league and the face of the league that they're trying to push. I feel like there, I sh- there should be a... There should be a requirement for how many games you're supposed to play. Absolutely, I completely or a percent, agree. Or a percentage in case like something like... I completely agree. Maybe even... God forbid, another, God forbid another COVID or whatever whatever the hell could happen again um, that would shorten the season. But there has to be a percentage set. Like what? 75, 80%? Yeah, sure. Like, come on. Something like, like that. Like, come on. Adam Silver, make it happen. Make it happen. Jean Moran was the point guard leader on the Memphis Grizzlies team that nearly made the playoffs in his rookie year. They were in the they 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 were in a playoff they spot. They were in a playing by, game. By the, by, they were in the playoff spot by the or to start the bubble. You know, they didn't get in. No. But but you're talking about look at if you look everything at what before is how what's based off of rookie of the year. Everything you, before the bubble. If you look at what Jean Morant did for that Memphis team in his first year, the numbers he put up leading that team that was Jean Morant and nobody else. Well, you can make a Dylan Brooks good player, but Jean Morant and basically nobody else, no supporting cast, nearly leading that team to a playoff spot in the East. And he's not the unanimous rookie of the year. Are you kidding? Zion got a vote. Garbage. Garbage. It's what it is. It's garbage. Trash. Garbage. Trash. Segway number two. <laughs> I lost it. I had it. I lost you it. You had it and you lost it. The only reason why I was able to come up with the last segue was Sumatra's Harold popped up on the television behind the behind the camera. Hmm. You're Good scrolling job. through Twitter. Good job. Good job. I'm scrolling through Twitter. I am. You know, you got to find some stuff on the fly if you want to wing some of this. Not that we're winging it tonight. We are winging it. Not that we're winging it tonight. But sometimes you just got to scroll through some social media or some other. We come to ESPN. you. We come to you with wholesome content in our heart. We sp- speak naturally. We don't script this stuff. I mean, once in a while, I mean, we'll script I mean, talking points. That makes sense. That's logical. Here's the other thing. <clears throat> we don't have people to interview right now. 
we also wanted to start this out just the two of us for the first one. I'll there were some housekeeping that. things to get out. We used the first 10 minutes, you know, sort of lay the land. Um, there was some important stuff to take care of first in this inaugural podcast. But um, sports are happening now. And we'd be remiss if we weren't talking about them. What happened today in the world of sports? Mitchell Trubisky was named the starting quarterback in the, for the Bears. That's something to talk about. I saw a very interesting tweet. I don't remember by who. But he said... This year's Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota situation is going to be Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, and I can 100% agree that that's going to happen. Mr. Trubis- Mitchell Trubisky is not good. He's not good. Now, obviously, that's a tough comparison to make because Ryan Tannehill, while very effective last year, made had, only had to make like 15 pass attempts. He now completed a lot of them for big plays, for touchdowns. Obviously, he... Let's Mitchell Trubisky, obviously Mitchell Trubisky, and can you really set Ryan Tannehill did go to the AFC Championship? He contributed to that team. Derrick Henry led that team. Obviously, would here's the other there's thing. no Derrick Henry on the Bears. No, and they lost David Montgomery. I think for the season. It looks like he'll be out. I don't know. Will he bet homer? Yes, he did. He did Ooh, that's right. fantasy points, baby. He did homer. <laughs> we have the TVs on behind behind the camera. If you haven't noticed, so if we spat out something random. That's also a part of winging it, but not really winging it. But we are winging like, it. Like this couldn't be any more informal. But <laughs> that's a that's what a podcast is, right? That's what a podcast is. And if, if it's we, not if supposed, we, to, if this if isn't what have... a podcast is supposed to be like, we're reinventing podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> we're reinventing but, the game. But if we ever have people to like sit down and actually like talk with and maybe interview, you know, that would change it. We can get real. We can get we we can get like like. Yeah, we can be like actual podcast hosts, like and interview people and talk to them and ask them serious questions, but also have fun. Like, listen, y'all, it's one in whatever the moments with them too. I mean, like, listen, y'all, it's one in the morning. It oh, dude, it doesn't feel like it. We don't have my sleep schedule is so bad. And when you're in a situation like we're in right now, well, I, we live two hours apart. No, an hour. Uh, and um, never mind then. Still, when you when you're in a situation like we are, where we can't be at school. He comes here for the weekend, and we try to turn out as much content as possible. So it's one in the morning, and we're doing a podcast. You know, that's just the way it is. it's a long weekend, because we got, you know, it's Labor Day. Yes. On Monday. That's just the way it goes, though. That's that's what we're dealing with right now. But tuning back to the NFL. Mr. Bisky's the starter week one. I fully believe Nick Foles is the starter by week over-under. Four. Over-under week four. I'm going to take the over, but not by much. I'm going to push. I really, I really think that the Bears want Mitch Trubisky to be their quarterback of the future. That's because uh, they don't want to know. They don't want to be another team that screws up a top five pick. Yes, they, 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 like, they come on. They see something like you could have had Deshaun some, Watson or Pat Mahomes. They see something they like in Mitch Trubisky. Well, they, I, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. He has shown promise just, before. For so, just remember, he was in a Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's not. It's not hard to make a Pro Bowl in the NFL. No, but as a quarterback, yeah. With the likes of Breeze, Newton, well, Newton, eh, eh, no offense, Newton, eh, at that point in the year. With the likes of like Breeze, maybe Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, um, Dak Prescott, even hell, Kirk Cousins at that point. Anyway, the Bears, here's why I think the situation bodes well for Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears are not a team... (laughs) That is going to be in any real contention for a playoff spot this year. Yeah. Let's be real. 
And when a team is in a situation like that, it's kind of interesting the way the, way the Bears are playing this. <clears throat> because when you're a team like the Bears and you're a team that, you know, you could argue that maybe they go 8-8, eight and eight, maybe with the expanded playoffs they sneak in. When you're a team like that, you usually make the safe play and go with a guy like Nick Foles to see if he can get you off to a good start. You see what he can give you. Maybe he's better than Nick than, than Mitch Trubisky. And if the season falls apart, then you turn to Mitch Trubisky and you try to develop him. The Bears are kind of playing it backwards where they're going to start Mitch. And I think the reason why the situation bodes well for him is because they're going to lose a lot of games, the season's going to be lost, and then they're just going to say, screw it, let's put all our eggs in one basket with Mitchell Trubisky. And which is why I don't think Nick Foles is going to play right away. But which is why I think there's a greater than not chance that Mitch Trubisky maybe starts 16 games this year. Let me also bring in this Barring one. injury. Yeah, Brian. There's one point about Nick Foles. Since he has won the Super Bowl, he went back. Carson Wentz came back after his knee injury. After a couple weeks, he went one and one. Did not play well against the Bucks and did not play well against Atlanta that season. I know that for a fact. And then Carson's back is injured, gets injured, so they're not going to risk a, a major back injury for this kid in his young career. So they take him out. Foles comes back. And again, he had, I think, one solid game in the regular season. He did not play that well against the Bears. He had a clutch game-winning drive throwing a touchdown pass to Golden Tate. And then you had the double dunk, which wasn't just a missed field goal. It was tipped at the line. Why didn't we name that the why didn't we name the podcast the Double Doink? I don't know. We're gonna make another podcast within the network called the Double Doink. Okay. You can check oh, oh I'm gonna plug myself real quick. You can find my Twitter, and interestingly, now that you bring up the double doink, it's a nice tangent to go on. I sat here with my friend from school, you know Charlie. I sat Charlie. here Charlie. Shout you're probably not gonna listen to this, but shout him out. Please listen to it. I sat here with him after the double doink the next day, and I said, you know what, 43-yarder, obviously I'm not, you know, what's the name of that stadium? I'm obviously not in Bears Stadium. What's the name of that stadium? Soldier Field. Soldier Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm not kicking a 43-yard field goal field goal at Soldier Soldier Field for the win. Was it 43 yards? It was a 43-yarder, I remember it specifically. That's obviously, better than me, and it was my home team's game. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I can make that field goal in that situation. But I told him, my, I told my friend Charlie, I bet we could go out to our local football field tomorrow and I can make a 43-yarder. And I did. Here's the other thing. And it's on it my Twitter was... page. It's on my Twitter. You can catch the video. I also made one from 50 in that video. Um, but again, I'm just plug myself. Plug yourself. Plug myself. The handle is M-A-Stites. M-A-S-T-E-I-T-Z. Go check me out. Wait. You wait. can find the video on there. It's like two years old maybe. You got to do some scrolling. But Were you seven yards from the football or two steps? I did a three-step. Three-step, okay. So it wouldn't get blocked. Yeah. I made the 50 with a little bit of a run-up, obviously. But, like, <laughs> you can... I mean, if you're already a good kicker, you can just build up to it. But, nevertheless, it was tipped by, I believe, TJ Edwards. So it's not all Cody Parkey's fault. He got his little itty-bitty end of his middle finger on that football. And then it hit the goalpost, and then it hit the crossbar, and then it came back out. Don't forget, I he made the first one. He did make the first one because there was a timeout. Yeah, but they iced him, obviously. Yes, you ice him all the time. Giannis did get hurt. He did get hurt. Let's see what happens here. We are watching. Giannis oh. rolled his ankle. Okay. He, he, he just like kind of jumped after and like, that was kind of weird. Nevertheless, 
So Nick Foles goes and they win that game. And then they go to New Orleans. First drive. Or Craven LeBlanc picks off Drew Brees' first play of the uh, uh, first possession. Eagles go down, score a touchdown. Jordan Matthews, good throw from Nick Foles, busted coverage. It was not a good game from there on out from Nick Foles until the last drive where, again, they were at about the 15. Maybe the it was like the 20 or 15, and they snapped the ball with 201 left, and it was first or second down, and they hurried it, and that just causes yourself to hurry a throw on a slant or a, or a, or a slant and stop or whatever. And he throws, and that if you're hurried, you're gonna naturally throw something harder. Like it, the whole motion is just gonna be faster, and that's gonna make the ball go harder. And it went throughout Alshon's hands, and it was picked. Game over. The following year, the Eagles just grant him his outright release. They don't resign him. They don't trade him. I wish they would have traded for him, get something for him. But I feel like the Eagles owed him the opportunity to, to just go into free agency. I mean, yes. You own that no. much. Yes, but no. I mean, we could have granted him to go where he wanted and try to get a trade because I think the Jaguars would have traded something. But that's besides the point. He goes there, gets injured. Gardner Minshew comes in. But then as sooner or later, Nick Foles comes back. But then Gardner comes back in and takes his position back. And so something obviously wasn't clicking there in Jacksonville, so Gardner beats out Foles. And now Gardner or excuse me, Foles, is beaten out by Trubisky in camp. That says something about Nick Foles. Because, I mean, he's not... Grant, like, yeah, he was a Super Bowl MVP. But he's not that kind of an elite quarterback. He like, he was hot, possessed. He got hot at the right time. He was possessed. He was calm, cool, and close. The, here's the thing. The man came back after almost retiring... Um, a year after the man the went into the woods, he went into the woods, came back, signed with Andy Reid and the Chiefs, followed Doug Peterson to Philly to be their backup after being a backup in Kansas City. The man had nothing to lose, so hell, I'm gonna go play with confidence. I'm gonna go throw the ball as far as I can to my receivers who are streaking down the field on fades, flea flickers, mind you, in the NFC Championship game to kind of put the icing on the cake. Um, big moments. I mean, he had a. He did have a great game against Houston that year. They lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. I'll give him that. A huge fourth quarter drive. I, um, he took a hell of a hit from Jadavion Clowney into the chest and completed, I think, like a 30-yard or 20-yard completion to Jeffrey for a first down on, I think, fourth or third and long. But Nick Foles isn't a day one starting quarterback. He never was from when he was drafted. He was a backup to Michael Vick. Michael Vick was injury-prone, got injured. For some reason, Chip Kelly thought Nick Foles was good to work with in his stupid offense. Yeah, and I've they never Trubisky. got Mariota, but that's the reason why. Mitch Trubisky is just a lot easier to scheme with too. Yeah, he has that mobility factor. He does. Nick Foles obviously does not. Mm, Trubisky's also younger. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, but um, you know, Mitch Trubisky sort of obviously, while at the bottom of the list, fits in with the newer breed of quarterback, the newer era of quarterback, the mobile out of the pocket passer. The sort of quarterback who can take off and run. The 2010 and on quarterback. There's value there. You're not going to get that from Nick Foles, but maybe Mitch Trubisky gets hurt in Week 12 and the Bears make a run to the Super Bowl. That's why you have Nick Foles there. But, you know, that's what there is. Speaking of other NFL news, um, Adrian Peterson got dropped today. That was surprising because they like their young guys. Name them. Bryce Love. 
Where did he go? He went to was he Stanford? Stanford. Yeah. He was a Heisman candidate one year. Was expected to be a winner the next. Didn't win it. Was he kind of fell off a little bit, and really has been kind of irrelevant since. But Darius they like their Geis, young, safe Darius to say, Geis. lost that job. And he's behind bars. Um, so I don't know who was the other guy you showed me that was on there. Something done. Some scrub, but his name was ahead of Bryce Love. I'm not sure if that was an order of depth chart or just random, but yeah, either way, saying. I don't know why you're releasing. He, Peterson didn't even see it coming. He said he was blindsided. Obviously, he's 30. You're talking about a man who's 35. Running backs don't last until they're 35, obviously. Who is the best suitor for Adrian Peterson right now? The best suitor? I mean, Jacksonville's got another spot. Of course, with Leonard Fournette hole. Uh, Why Leonard Fournette was released, we'll never know. But, I mean... The Patriots aren't a bad spot, to be honest with you. The Patriots are another team right now who, if Washington likes their young guys... You could use a bruiser. You know, but here's the thing, though. If Washington is going to sit there and release Adrian Peterson and say they like their young guys, then the Patriots can also sit there and say they like their young guys. Damian Harris is going to have an increased role this year back at Alabama. Um, Obviously, James White is more of a pass-catching back. Now, you're not looking at... Obviously, Sonny Michelle, his health is up in the air, but um, they're not willing to give up on that experiment yet. The Sonny Michelle experiment, you could argue, has failed. Um, He's not good. Obviously, he had a great rookie campaign after that. He's been bad. Um, I don't think Adrian Peterson works in New England. I think New England probably had a chance to go for Fournette. I don't think Fournette would have decided to sign in New England. But if the Patriots were going to go down the route of signing another quarterback, I would have been hard to believe that the Patriots would pass on Fournette and then go after AP. But that's what they're... The Patriots have a history of signing older running backs. I mean, they did it with... um Oh, gosh, what was his name? Bill's running back for a while. It was... um They did it in the year they lost to the Eagles. What was his name? Oh. Wait, what? I really should know. You should know. The Patriots just have that history of signing... Older running backs. I'm surprised they didn't sign Frank Gore. Um, but the Patriots yeah. do this sort of thing where they just, like, sign these older running backs. It's just, like, a thing. Um, but I don't know where else Peter – actually, the Bears would be a suitable option for Adrian Peterson. Back in that division? Because they just lost Montgomery. You have Cohen, right? This Back in the NFC North? Yeah, yeah they still have Tariq Cohen. Yeah. But, again, another, like, James White guy who's going to – he's going to catch more passes and get carries, like – so, yeah, I think Chicago might be his best fit, to be honest with you. Um, you're talking about a league where there's not a lot of depth at running back, and you're looking at two guys who have a big fantasy draft in, on Sunday. Believe me, I've studied it. I know that there's not a lot oh, of running back wait, draft. He could, go to, he could go to Atlanta and back up Todd Gurley and take a couple carries to limit his load. They have Brian Hill as their second string right now. It wasn't terrible. Um, but, you know, again, it's just one of those situations where there have been some mysterious, you know, sort of drops in the league right now. The Patriots, one of them, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, there's, there's plenty more. Yeah, that there's was, Adrian Peterson. There's Leonard Fournette. With all the young wide receivers and rookies who have potential for you guys but didn't really do a whole lot last year, and you cut Sanu, kind of just doesn't. We traded a second rounder for Sanu. Yeah, like got five games out of him. 
didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't make sense to drop him. You know where AP could go. Tampa Bay. For sure. But like, why would Tampa <laughs> like? I'm, I, I'm not guy. gonna. I'm just fucking. I'm just screwing. But no, I know you are. But like at the same time, like I, I didn't expect them to sign with Sean McCoy. I didn't expect them to sign Fournette. Did this team McCoy is just, seemed like it was more of a good move because he's a mentor and can mentor uh, Ronald Jones. This team is uh, the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now is just a team full of wise. I'm sitting here and watching every move they made in the offseason. I'm kind of just like, okay, <laughs> interesting. Gronk, I was like, okay, makes sense. Brady connection, cool. Um, at least the Patriots got some personnel with him and OJ Howard. Yeah, they're a team with OJ Howard, and they're like, I thought they were fine at tight end. They're a really good team at tight end. Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard. That's a really good one-two punch at tight end. Not a lot of teams have that. And then they go and sign Gronk. (laughs) Okay, it makes sense with the whole Brady thing. I thought Ronald Jones, I thought they really, really liked Ronald Jones. I thought he was going to be the running back of the future for them. Guess not. They go and sign LaShawn McCoy. No, no, no. I was like, okay, good one-two punch. LaShawn's not a starter. I'm, I know. Oh, okay. I know. But obviously, he was going to take touches away from Ronald Jones in the first place. And then they're like, you know what? That's not even good enough. Wonder Fournette's available. Let's go get him. It's, it's kind of just like, who are they cutting? <laughs> it's like, they're getting so all these like, guys. Who are they cutting? But here's the thing. If you're Tom Brady and you just have a, have 12 personnel and you can have twins one side, Two tight ends, normal spots. You can be a gun. You can have either Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, or Sean McCoy, or even Keyshawn Vaughn lining up next to you. Or you can be under center. With any one of those running backs back there, you can have trips one side with Evans, Gronk, Godwin. It's a deadly offense. OJ on the other side. You can like you can just play. Bruce Arians is in a great situation as a head coach to just mix and match whenever he wants and as long as their line is up to par. I'll tell you what. He's lucky that everyone obviously, and for good reason, views him as an offensive head coach. Because these games are going to end like 50 to 50, like fifty to 49. I, I wouldn't doubt their defense like that. You still got JPP. You got, they have Indomitka Sioux. Um, Vita, Vita Vea? Vita Vita. I don't know. I don't, but I don't I, know okay. to pronounce that name. It, it is a better defense than they've had in the past. But you're still looking... I don't care how good your defense is. You can argue that the Saints have a lot of good pieces on defense. When you're a team in the NFC South, that division, I, I say this all the time, draft offensive players from the NFC South just because I don't care how good those defensive are. defenses are. Those are some offensive powerhouses, and those games always find a way to end in the 30s or the 40s. You're right. But here's my thing with this defense, which is huge, is... The fact that they have JPP running on one of the edges, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and I think a real sneak, sneaky reason why this defense is going to be above some others in that division is Antoine Winfield Jr. He's huge. He's fast. He can play the safety position well, and I think he'll do his father proud. His father was a corner, though. But I think he was a great draft pick for them and filled a need at safety. And I really think he can be a difference maker for this defense. And not to forget, the Bucs did draft an O-lineman with their first-round pick. Yes. To protect Brady. And then who did, who they drafted the running back? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. 
No, they dra- no, not Keyshawn Bond. Didn't they draft another running back? No. Oh, I thought they did. No. Are you thinking of J.K. Dobbins? No, I know he's with the Ravens. I thought there was rumors that they were going to draft a running back on draft night. There was rumors that they were going to do it. Um, but Tristan Wirfs was a big signing. He'll Tristan pr- Wirfs, He'll protect right. the right side of Tom Brady. Big draft pick. He'll protect Brady's uh, front side. So, yeah. I still think they're going to win. No, they're going to be a wild card. I think the Saints are still going to run away with it. I think they'll win by like a game or so. I mean, I used to think right away when everybody's like, oh, Brady, oh, NFC South champs, just because he's there. And I was like, all right, pump the brakes. It's a division he's very unfamiliar with. He doesn't play often. Right. Um, and here's the other thing. <clears throat> yes, he has these two great wide receivers, but he also didn't have Gronk at the time. He had O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard isn't like a top five tight end. Definitely top ten. Yeah. I mean, Gronk isn't a top three tight end right now. I'll tell you that much. Isn't? No. No, I know that. Okay. You're not hurting my feelings. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying it. And I'm saying it for the purpose of like, if you're listening to this on Spotify, if you can see me, Gronkowski's not a top three tight end. But nevertheless, having him and O.J. Howard and these two wide receivers, and now, all these run- and now all these running backs, Tristan Wirfs added to it, the way they drafted, the way they set up this defense, it changes the whole dynamic. At first, yeah, Tom Brady there may be a wild card at best. But now it's for sure a wild card competing for the division. But I'm not going to go crown the Bucks the division champs yeah, well, when you still have Drew Brees in that high-powered Saints offense and their good defense down there. So yeah, it's... And don't forget where the Super Bowl is this year. Tampa Bay. It's in Tampa Bay. So you're already jinxing yourself right there. Look what happened to the Vikings. Look what happens to Dallas. Look what happens to all these teams in the past. Look at Miami didn't make it. They were, I mean, they were never going to make He's it. He's close to 300. Mike Trout? Mike Trout's closing in on 300. He just yeah. had 299. One more. Again, TV behind the camera. <laughs> um, so, yeah. A lock for the wild card. And I don't think Brady is a system quarterback. Get that crap out of your mind. He's not. He's not. They and now he's in an offensive. He system. doesn't win. He doesn't win six wings without Belichick. He doesn't win six rings without Belichick. Belichick doesn't win six rings without Brady. Yeah. What are the odds they see each other in the Super Bowl? Not this year, but at some point. I don't think they ever do. Be a hell of a story. It'll be. It'll be. Either it won't ever happen because either one of them will retire. Or it'll happen three times. No. (laughs) I don't know who would retire first because I think Belichick could honestly coach till he dies if he likes football that much. Yeah. I mean, I know he has a big sail. He's a big uh, boat guy. Seen that. But I think Brady would have to retire. Brady's a big golfer. He is a big golfer. He's not. He's probably as good as we are. Oh, he's much better than we are. (laughs) I was trying to like help us out a little bit there, man. Oh, I was trying, to, trying to set us up for that video we're gonna drop. Just later. two guys trying to break a hundred. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think I could have out. I could have driven better than Brady did in, in that. Um, the match. They were playing in the rain. rain. They were playing. Okay, I know they were playing in the rain. They, it wasn't raining the whole time, was it? Like, the whole front nine was rain. All right. There's a back nine. There is a back nine, and Brady <laughs> played better on the back nine. <laughs> there is a back nine. Better on the back. nine. Better late. You know who else is better late? What is this? I'm not with your segue right now. The Philadelphia Flyers, baby. Game seven, 
Saturday, I am ecstatic. And that was a good segue. You got to give me props for that. Yeah, I kind of didn't want the Flyers to go to Game 7 because I didn't really want to watch it. It's but good, now we're going to have games. to watch it tomorrow. But you, oh, <laughs> All right, all right. Here's the thing. Hockey me is a lot different than football me. Okay? You see me play baseball or watch baseball. I'm just kind of chilling there and be like, oh, yeah, nice. But then, like, football, I'm, like, off the walls, bouncing everywhere, going batshit crazy. That's just me. Hockey, I'm just like. Hey, hockey, I'm very ah, tense when I watch hockey. No, look, oh, trip. That's like me. But, like, I'm not, like, going everywhere. I'm just kind of like, especially in the playoffs. Because especially in overtime, one goal, it's done. Yeah. Either you win or lose. And Anxious moments. Three times the Flyers have been in overtime. And last night they had two overtimes. And I have a program won it. I am extremely pumped. So I will tell you, I know you have been annoyed with me in the past. <laughs> we were roommates for an entire school semester, school year at college. I am a better hockey fan. <laughs> uh, we did go to one hockey game in person, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that was a wild game. It was a wild game. But that is a whole different scene because you're like you're in with of the course. crowd. It's all ruckusing and loud and obnoxious and it's in Wells Fargo Center. When you're in the house, you're in the crib, you're in the basement, you're in the kitchen, you're in the living room, wherever, your room, whatever. It's a little different. I probably celebrate the most at the end when it's done. And the only and in this series, I have the most when it's done because every time we've won, it's been overtime. <coughs> but speaking of, we saw two Game 7s tonight. We didn't finish the one because we kind of were watching the Lakers in Houston. Which is stupid because we have two TVs. That's your fault. Yeah, yeah. You I was remotes. I was slacking on the remotes tonight. Um, Dual screen technology. It's very, very nice. Very nice. But the Knights survived the comeback. They move on. The Avalanche pull off the comeback. No, excuse me. Dallas survived the comeback. Dallas. So they both survived. They both survived the comebacks, yes. Two three one teams go to game seven. Does that make you a little nervous? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, honestly, I feel like we have the whole, all the momentum on our side. I mean, I'm not in the locker room. Well, I'm sure the Avalanche felt that way. But did they ride it? I'm sure the Canucks games, felt uh, that way. Did they ride back-to-back games one? I guess they had to. Did they ride two, back-to-back overtime one? Every single series went the same way. Did it? Did we each start out one and one? Maybe. Maybe. Besides the point. They all start they each one of them started out down three to one. Somehow. But also Carter Hart's coming off the game where he had 49 saves, a career high postseason playoffs. Or I mean postseason regular season besides the playoffs. It's his first game seven. It is his first game seven. But he's also been in a closeout game to win a series. He won th- he won uh, three games in the in the round robin against the Bruins, who coming in were the favorites for winning the one seed, and then Tampa Bay and the Capitals. Granted, Capitals and Tampa Bay, or excuse me, the Capitals were out in the first round. Tampa Bay into the finals for the Eastern Conference. About Bru- time. Bruins, <laughs> Bruins made the second round. So I mean, he's got the experience now, and. This Islanders team is is sneaky fast because they they turn their defense into offense, and they and they play fast defense, and then all of a sudden, bam, they're on top of you with an odd man rush. And he has played very well 
against all that. Mind you, yes, he did allow four goals, but he also had 49 other saves, which is huge. And the Flyers got outshot by 30 or so. It was ridiculous. It was like 50 to like 25. Yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, it was somewhere around there. Um, but the other thing is, too, the Flyers made their opportunities count. They had a couple breakaways. Um, not not clean, clean breakaways, but a nice goal from Lawton. He tied it with it. Uh, Ivan Provorov had a nice setup. And you know what the best thing about that whole goal was, in my opinion, was how it was set up and developed by Kevin Hayes because uh, I can't I wouldn't remember. know. I didn't watch. I can't remember who it was, but the player in front of him lost his stick on, I think he tried to either pass it or shoot it, lost his stick, might have broken it. Hayes steals the puck, tries to reach for another stick, doesn't get close enough because Hayes is pushing him. He's he's going he's gonna to put the pressure on. He gets back. He gets down under. Goes back, wraps around, passes it out in front. And with a stick, that pass is not going to get through because he can easily just stop it. Just get a little poke in. But it gets through and he can't get a skate on or anything. And it just sets – and it's just placed on a platter for Ivan to take it and put it in the back. It was a beautiful play by Kevin Hayes. It really was. Sure. And then the sure. icing, icing on the cake by uh, Ivan Provorov. You want to watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I zoned out halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, That's our relationship. We like to go off and then just zone out on each other. I don't as much as him. But... Just kidding. I don't know. That was very detailed. Was it very detailed? Yes. Well, I do that a lot. I talk in circles. You know this. Mm-hmm. You know this. We are accru- we are approaching the hour 30 mark. Where are we at? 117. Woo! That flew by. Time flies. <sighs> was that a good first video podcast? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not done yet. We completely neglected baseball. The Phillies are on fire, too. More Philly talk. Holy fucking shit. Stop talking about Philly sports. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. I have a right. Not everything happened with the Phillies. Yeah, I know. There's a lot more to the league than the Phillies. Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout. One home run away from 300. The trade deadline passed. It did. The Padres Padres are making moves. They're making the money moves. Obviously. Mike Clevenger is a Padre. Mitch Moreland's a Padre. Isn't uh, Nola the catcher from the Mariners? The catcher from the Mariners is a Padre. Aaron Nola's brother. Sorry, Phillies. They got three pieces. You could argue, I, I had no idea this catcher even existed. So you could argue that two of them are big signings. It's interesting that they would go out and get another lefty bat at first. I don't understand that. But hey, do what you, do what you gotta do. I guess with the whole DH in the NL now, I guess it, could, it makes sense, but much more than a hot I think, bat. I think they were having <clears throat> DH troubles, tr- troubles before. Will I'm, Myers was probably their DH. Yeah. Um, he's not great. Mm-hmm. Mitch Moreland was a hot bat. Um, and obviously they signed Clevenger, who can take over any rotation. Now you got Chris Paddock, Mike Clevenger, um, and uh, Nelson Lamette, who has been a great surprise for them. Uh, so now you got three... Really, really good pitchers. I wouldn't say you have three number ones here, but three really, really solid pitchers that can battle in any playoff series. Um, and I like to see this from the Padres because in a shortened season, a lot of people might say, oh, yeah, the World Series doesn't count. Clearly, the Padres believe that this is one of their best chances mm-hmm. in either this year or recent years to win a World Series. Um, they can really smell blood with the shortened season. And um, they're going to make a run. And they've done everything I think they need to do at the deadline to shore up their chances of making a run. All the pieces are in place. Now they just have to perform. Not to mention, they have the NL MVP frontrunner, Fernando Tatis. 
Yes. Who is in his second season. Not full season, but second season. The dude's playing out of his mind. You could say the Zion Williamson of his rookie year. Because, obviously... Um, yeah, I can agree with that. He didn't play the whole year. He didn't play the whole year. He was looking like he was going to be the clear-cut rookie but, of the but year. But definitely made an impact on his team. Uh-huh. But, full um... Circle. But, um... No, yeah, Manny Machado is finally playing like... It pains me to say, he's having a good year. He's playing like the old Manny Machado. He's almost playing like he deserves 300 mil. Almost, yeah. I think he's batting 270, 280 maybe best. Um, he had a really sluggish start, uh, but he got hot. He got really hot. Um, he had a three-week stretch in this past month that was absolutely... He had an unreal August. Absolutely unreal August. That's good for them. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. No one can. No one can. Yeah, he's hitting three hundred one. I stand corrected. Um, but obviously, Tatis Machado. Now you add a bat like Mitch Moreland. You got Eric Hosmer there. That's a hell of a two three four five. Um, you got four bats that can get hot like that. You got good pitching. Um, they've got other random pieces here or there that are going to need to step up. The role players are going to need to make the difference. But, um, again, all the pieces are in there. They just have to perform. And I think in a season like this, I, I think it'd be safe and fair to make the bold prediction that you could see Dodgers and Padres playing to go to the World Series. Um, I'd probably take can the Dodgers they, in that series. Can but they can they ever actually meet up because they're in the same division? Like they can the, absolutely in, meet up in, into the NL. Yes, anybody can meet up at this point because you got the whole thing where the number one chooses their opponent and like shit like that with the expanded playoff. I'm pretty sure the possibility, even if you're in the division, anybody can meet anybody. Okay, I'm a little hazy on all that because it's just all new and different and a lot to process. Maybe for my mind, maybe not for everybody's mind like you, but sometimes my brain operates a little slow. That's just me. There's definitely the opportunity to meet. I think they're the two best teams in the NL at the moment. Um, as for the AL, there's no telling whatsoever. <laughs> the Yankees all of a sudden just blow. Well, Astros. They don't have Judge. They have him on the IL. Astros Torres getting hot, but they were awful to begin, but they're getting hot. A's also really good. Rays also really good. Is this finally the year that the Rays and the A's overcome that sort of top tier of teams like the Yankees and the Astros? Well, right now the Yankees are also in third place in their division. They're tied in records with the Blue Jays. Jays obviously having a really good season, but yep. the Yankees will be there. Don't worry. When they get healthy, they'll be there. Um, but you're still looking at teams who are built. Four series. Obviously, the Astros don't have Verlander anymore, but I'm just talking about those teams who come October find ways to win. Those teams are the Yankees and the Astros currently in the AL. Do you, who do you think comes out of the Central though? I mean, you got three solid teams all over 20 wins now. Um, in the White Sox, who are on top, yeah. the New Cleveland, and then you have Minnesota. I'm saying in the past five years in the AL, there has been upper echelon of teams. I would categorize them as. Obviously, the Red Sox in the past, obviously, they're not there this year, so I'm going to negate them. But it's the Astros, it's the Yankees, and I'm going to say Cleveland. 
Africa just because they've been there. And then you have teams like the Twins, the A's, and the Rays. And just for fun, I'm going to count the White Sox this year. Wait, after who after have struggled moves, to get past the Yankees, the Astros, and Cleveland, and those teams. So maybe it's their time to sort of overtake those top guys. The Astros, the Yankees, and Cleveland. Let me ask, what about after these moves? You trade away Clevenger. Does that hurt the Indians more? They well, haven't, I, they I'm haven't, not saying they that... They haven't done many moves to make them World Series bound. Let me. Well, you have... I think right there. currently, the this year, this year, Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. Don't get me wrong. This year, Shane Bieber is the best pitcher in baseball. Yes. Don't get me... That, that's, that's the truth. Yes. Right um, now, he is the best pitcher in baseball. Zach Plesak is pitching very well at the moment for Cleveland. And they've got the bullpen to back it up. Um, so Cleveland, obviously Francisco Lindor struggled this year. Um, Jose Ramirez has struggled the past two years. He can get hot though. I w- I w- I'm not saying that Cleveland's going to be a top team this year, but I'm talking just in general in the past like five years, there has been an upper echelon of teams in the AL who have dominated and who have reigned that teams like the Rays, the A's and all those other guys have not made the leap past. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to categorize Cleveland in the mix just because they've been a team that have sort of stymied guys like those teams like those, which is why I'm putting them there. I don't think Cleveland compares to maybe the Yankees or the Astros this year, but I think it's finally the year that the Rays and the A's and the twins and screw it. Even the white Sox, you can finally start to favor them ahead of teams like the Yankees, the Astros, and Cleveland. I think that time has finally come. And I hope, and I really, I sincerely hope that they can pull it off come October. They've struggled to get past those teams in the past. The Twins have lost to the Yankees in two straight years in the wildcard game. Um, maybe it's the year that the Twins finally take that step. Um, they add a guy like Kent Maeda to that rotation. Really, really strong arm. He's having a great year for them. They did that in the offseason. Maybe it's those maybe it's the time for those guys. Maybe it's the time for those teams. And I'm really hoping it is. Because I'd like to see the, the obviously the Yankees got caught with injury bug again. You can argue that Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton's variability is going to hinder them throughout their careers. Um it already has, but they got Garrett Cole there. You know, the Yankees are gonna be good. The Yankees are gonna you contend come October. The Astros obviously Verlander goes down a little bit. So you can sort of start to see the changing of the guard. You know, the tide's starting to shift. And those teams that have stayed healthy and have really, really good talent that haven't been able to take that next step in recent years, all of a sudden the stars are starting to align. The pieces are falling into place for those teams to get to a World Series. And I'm hoping and I'm going to make the prediction that either the Rays, the A's, or the Twins make the World Series this year. That's the way I see it all playing out. I liked a lot how you articulated articulated that. It was very nice. I appreciate that. It was very nice. I think I might cut that out and make a little little clip of it. A highlight tape, a highlight reel, if you will. IG. Twitter. I'm going to send that one to Portnoy. Portnoy. Heard it here first. Scott Van Pelt, SVP. ESPN at night. ESPN late night. Boom. Making it happen. Okay, NBC Sports. We got to touch on more of the NL East, or NL, sorry, NL 
Oz. NL. No East. Just the NL. The NL. We touched on the Padres, of course. Now, do I think they'll win their division? No. The Dodgers are too good of a damn baseball team. They're the first to 30. They're 30 and 10. Their run differential is 102. And they played, what, 40 games? Yes. The next closest is the Padres at 55. It's not close. Those numbers aren't close. Well, no, the closest out of the rest of the other teams. The closest, you could say, aren't close. <laughs> Good one. Good point. Makes sense. Okay. So, out of them... Almost double, in fact. Almost. It would have to be 110. But close. But close. <laughs> That's closer than their... <laughs> they're eight from that. They're eight runs away from that and closer than the Padres are to catching the Dodgers. Close. So, out of the West... Those two teams are making the playoffs. It's kind of a given. The Central, I can see the Cubs winning, but I don't know that I can see any of those other teams making the playoffs. And I honestly don't think I could see the Cubs going anywhere, really. Hugh Darvish, to his credit, is pitching out of his mind. And I'm happy for him. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who hasn't really been able to put it together in his career. He almost had a no-hit bid against the Red Sox. David Ortiz broke it up in the ninth. He was a guy that was getting rave reviews early in his career, maybe like five years ago. Was It, it might be five years ago already. Mm-hmm. He has some filthy junk. He's finally putting together a good season. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Um, but I just don't believe in the Cubs the way I believe in some other teams. I They're flying I under the radar, to say the least. Definitely flying under the radar. I haven't kept up with them as much as I have a lot of other teams because I always thought the Central was always kind of like a coin flip for whoever's going to come out but this year I think it's clearly the Cubs are going to win that division everybody else is under 500 yeah the Brewers only by a game and I think the Cardinals by shocking what's happened in Milwaukee this year very shocking well they also just traded away David Phelps yeah and yeah which is not playing well no um but speaking of pitching Brewers are going to be the Brewers yeah but pitching Talk about carrying a team is Max Freed. 130. Max Freed is having a hell of a year. Max Freed is having a very hell of a year. The Max Freeds, the Yukas Gilitos, those guys. Max Freed is... They're starting to come up. He is... Wait, where is it? I am... There's also... You can kind of see this. You can kind of see this happening, too. I feel like the MLB, we're slowly starting to enter a new era. The Shane Bieber's, Max Fried, Lucas, G- Lucas Giolitos. You're hearing a whole lot more of them than you are of the Max Scherzers, the Justin Verlander, and now obviously Justin Verlander's hurt, the Max Scherzers, the Jacob DeGrom. Obviously those guys still performing well. But you're slowly starting to just see in everywhere you look in baseball, those stars that we know starting to be overtaken a little bit, starting to fade. Newer guys starting to rise up to the forefront. And you can say the same thing about teams. The Tyler Glass nows. All these guys. Slowly starting to creep up. Slowly starting to overtake. Slowly starting to take over the league. It's fun to watch. We kind of got a new slate of names to finally focus on. Not to say that I, I appreciate the greatness of Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jacob DeGrom. Those guys aren't going anywhere. They're still playing very good baseball. They're still pitching very, very well. But certainly, certainly, 
you're starting to see a younger age group of pitchers take the stage. And it's really exciting to see. It's really sorry. It's really exciting to see. I hate to be a bear of bad news. The camera wasn't on. No, it was on. But it died. It did not even die. It just stopped. How long ago? Uh, great question. I'm not even sure. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> We're new at this, man. When it's, you I run an camera, operation... I got the camera this week, which is like f- six or five days ago. Listen, it's two in the morning. <laughs> it's two in the morning for us. It's two in the morning for the camera. I'm not going to hold the camera accountable for that. It didn't even die. It's at 71%. What is your problem? We're running. We're. It's new operation. It is. There are going to be hiccups. This is the first time. This is the first time we've ever tried to run a podcast with actual video feed. That's fun. That's great. It's very exciting. Of course, there are going to be hiccups. You can't expect it all to go. Now, here, here, here's very a plan. Well. Here is an idea. We take what we can from that first one and use it for social media. And then. Sure. We do another podcast and it's a video podcast. And then we can upload that as a whole podcast. Boom. Good idea. Woohoo! I didn't follow, but I trust you. You'll make that work. I will. We just take parts of it and then clip it and make like yes points and just throw it out there every other day. Perfect. Think about this, whatever. We got it. Yeah. We're good. Cool. We're strapped. We're set. We're ready for the long haul. We got to figure this out so we can actually do an actual video podcast next time. Committed. Yeah, we should do that tomorrow. Ready. Or Sunday. We have to do it Sunday. We're going to need that bad boy tomorrow. We are... Tomorrow is not as big of a deal because we can it'll be start and stop for those videos. Correct. But for the live shooting of our fantasy draft, we will need that to be figured yes. out. Um, for those of you that have stuck with us for the past hour, 33 minutes, and 28 seconds. Give us a call. Give us a DM to be a cameraman and to operate it for us. We're looking to expand the network. You all know this. We expect we express this. Why wouldn't you want to become a part of this brand? No, we're up and coming. We're new. We won't pay you shit. But hey, come on. We're hiring. We're looking to expand. We're looking for new content. No, we're looking for a cameraman. Okay. Cameraman <laughs> this. Content cameraman. He's Anything, in charge really. of making sure the content is put on picture. There's a number of things we need. The number of help we can we can use. Join us. Give us a call. DM us. We're on platforms. You can find us. Twitter handle. Run it back. We don't have a single follower yet. Be the first. IG. It's exciting. I don't think we should announce those yet because we haven't made them yet. Should I did I, earlier. Should, should you did? Yeah. <gasps> We're live. Can I see? Can I see? Can I see? Can I see? We're live. Well, well let's wrap up the podcast first. Well. Well, I already plugged it. You did plug it. <clears throat> Run it back. The handle's I up. wish we could use that catchphrase, but like I'm not going to say it because I think you know what it means. Oh, wait. No, we're, we're Run it back 18. 18? Why 18? Because there's already a bunch of Run it backs. Hmm. Huh. We'll work on that. <laughs> uh, did you try spaces or underscores? As in, yes. Yeah, this is something we can figure out later. We're not going to waste your time with this crap. Yeah, if you have already like left this, I don't blame you. If you're still here, thank you. We're going to end it. Trooper. Don't worry. We're going to put you out of your misery. I think we should always make our goals now. If like every time we want to do one that's short, we should make sure we should plan out to do one long. We got to cut this out. No. Yes. 
tune into the next episode of Run It Back. Yeah, next done. time we drop it. Thank you for listening and have a yourself a solid. Later, y'all.